92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically, so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with the 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. The odds of getting struck by lightning this year are 1 in 700,000. That's actually a much higher likelihood than I thought. (laughs) In the past 60 years, there have been about 1,100 songs that have reached the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. Considering there are roughly 7 billion people on this planet, the odds of reaching number one are one in six and a half million. A mathematician is welcome to check my math here, but my point is you're way more likely to be hit by lightning than to have a hit song. (laughs) So we should celebrate anyone who does, even those that do it just once. Welcome to the age-old question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. This show is sort of like car talk meets behind the music. Ooh, Clint, I like that. Each episode deals with another question in music fandom. The kind of questions that Clint and I have been debating since we were in college. So today, with the help of some smart people, we're going to come up with the answer. Okay, Clint, what's today's question? Today's question is, what is the greatest one-hit wonder of all time? That's the age-old question. Let's start by talking about what do we define one-hit wonder as. Are we saying that an artist had literally one number one song? Well, that's interesting. I think we're talking about bands that reached a certain height in the charts, maybe number one, maybe close to it, and then never got close again. Yeah. And we're going to discuss why. Yes. So I'm going to start by saying I started researching Come On Eileen mm-hmm. by Dexy's Midnight Runners. Great example. Great song. Turns out they had another number one hit. And I had no idea. They also released 11 albums. And this guy, Kevin Rowland, has had a 43-year career with this band and had 52 band members over the course of this. Just different incarnations. Just different incarnations. So something tells me that guy's tough to work with, right? Like, there must be something going on with that guy where he just blows things up. So I didn't, I actually didn't take Come On Eileen as one of my choices. Interesting. Because this guy's had a massive career. So I'm going straight up for this episode. I'm saying, like, who is one hit? Like One and done. Like, one and done, and band broke up or whatever, you know? Great. So that's how I'm looking at it. First of all, it's really hard, like you're saying, to get a number one song. Beyond the song itself, beyond the music, beyond the... There's so much there's sex appeal, marketing, like all these different things have to play in to have a hit song. The fact that people do it is amazing. Nearly half of all musicians that created a chart hit 
in the half century between 55 and 2005 never did again. So 47.5% of all hit songwriters We're never did it again. Not that many. So Not you said 1,100? 1,100 number one okay. songs on the Billboard Top 100. Wow. It's impossible to have a hit song. It's so crazy. Um, and we were just Jenna Andrews. We had How to Write a Hit Song on, on the podcast. She has been number one with two different artists for like 10 weeks right now. So I, that's incredible. Okay, I guess I'll just start with my first one. Check this out. My first one is going to be No Rain by Blind Melon. Here's an example of a band that had a massive hit song, had a follow-up album, but then their lead singer died. And the real, like, the core of the band, like, he was the band. So they might have had more hits. Correct. So there's a reason for a one-hit wonder. Right. If somebody dies. Right. So Blind Melon, as we all know, is a band in the 90s, and he was from Los Angeles, California. Um, but the lead singer was Shannon Hoon, who was from West Lafayette, Indiana. Huh. Actually cousins of Axl Rose, which helped. The story of their first record is this. They make this four-song EP. They get signed, but they only had four songs. And they thought it was way too slick, so they didn't even release it. They were like, no, this is not the sound. So the record company got them a house in North Carolina. They all moved to North Carolina to live in this house to write songs. The first single from that album was Tones of Home, which I loved that song. And it made, you know, it did okay. But then, No Rain happened. And let's just hear No Rain for a second. This is the song that when I went to Middlebury College as a freshman, this was the song. This was like, it was popular at that exact moment. It was just a, an anthem for that year for me. So it's such a deep song for me. I could only name of course. No Rain. What helped that song was the video. The music video. The, the Bumblebee. Me, the Bumblebee girl. That's what I mean. It's so hard to have a hit song. It wasn't even about the song necessarily. It was, the video is what made that song a hit song. And that's why maybe as a one-hit wonder, like maybe when there's something else at play, like an insanely catchy video or something else in addition to a good song, that's what brings it up into the consciousness. So yes. like, listen to the rest of the album. They're not hit songwriters. They weren't, they weren't trying to be hit songwriters. It's just that entered the whole zeitgeist of the population because of that video. And Shannon Hoon died of drug overdose? He did. He recorded on Use Your Illusion and was in the video for Don't Cry by Guns N' Roses. Huh. And that also helped bring them to a point of cultural identity. Right? And then Axl Rose wrote a song called November Rain. He did. <laughs> Greatest song ever. He just added a Vember <laughs> to the Shannon Hoon song. Yeah. It only reached number 20 on the U.S. Hot 100. But it was a hit. And it was a, 
it was maybe not a chart topper, but it was an MTV chart topper. And at the time of MTV, when MTV was still like the most relevant thing. It's it's funny because now that I know that he's related to Axl Rose, similar like it's not for everyone. No, correct. And it's high. It's right. a high voice. That's why they could never find anyone to replace him. Like they couldn't they tried. The band tried to replace him and they spent like I think five years trying to tour with other people and it just didn't work. Didn't work. He was too much. So that's my first one. Clint, ever heard of the song My Sharona? Of course you have. What's the band's name? Oh, man. Okay. Maybe some of you just said out loud, The Knack. Oh, yeah, it is The Knack. Can you name another song by The Knack? <laughs> if you did, your name is either Jeff Simons or you were in the band The Knack. <laughs> <laughs> the song was written by Burton Avere and Doug Feger two members of the band, in 15 minutes in 1979. They recorded it in one take, and it took another 15 minutes to mix. It was released in June 1979, and the song was the fastest to reach gold certification since the Beatles' I Want to Hold Your Hand in 1964. What? It reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and remained there for six weeks. And though it was released halfway through the year, it finished the year as Billboard's top-selling single. Ahead of songs like The Village People's YMCA. I Will Survive. Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy. In 2015, Avir, my Sharona's co-writer, was asked what he does for a living. He said, I go to the mailbox a couple of times a month. <laughs> oh my God. Clint, let's keep talking about my Sharona for a minute. There's actually quite a lot to say on this song. First, I mentioned it took 15 minutes to write. But remember three episodes ago when we talked about inspiration or theft? This song definitely borrows from a few other established songs. The tom rhythm of the drums was inspired by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles going to a go-go. The riff is an inversion of the song Gimme Some Lovin' by the Spencer Davis Group. And the stutter of the is inspired by Roger Daltrey's vocal on the Who classic. The song was an inspiration to Quincy Jones when he was producing the Thriller album for Michael Jackson. He told Michael he wanted a rock and roll song that had the energy and attitude of My Sharona. resulting song beat it wow.
In 2005, President George W. Bush's iPod playlist was published, and this song was in heavy rotation for the president. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Fool me, we can't get fooled again. And because we love to mention Weird Al, his version was My Bologna. <laughs> It actually kickstarted Weird Al's career. Wow. After their debut hit in 1979, there was only one way they could go. Yeah. And it was down. Their second album reached number 15. Their third reached number 93. And the subsequent four albums failed to even chart. Hmm. That's a lot of albums, though. Always look on the bright side of life. You're right. I mean, the neck. They kept, they kept, they kept at it. it. They kept at it. It's hard to keep a band together after success. You've been working on something for years and years, conceivably. You get there, and boy, it's hard. Just the ego and the money and the fame and the it's really hard to keep a band together. So I, I give it up for the knack for hanging in that long. To be honest, wasn't my Sharona in reality bites? Yes, that's where I know it. Where they're dancing in the yeah, convenience store. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's a good one. My number two is by a Scottish rock duo formed in 1983 by twin brothers, Craig and Charlie Reed. Identical twin brothers. Identical twin Scottish brothers. The Proclaimers. The song is I'm Gonna Be, parentheses, 500 Miles. I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you When I go out Yeah, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you I have a relationship with this song. You, I, I've heard you sing this I song. I play this song a lot of times. It's really hard to sing this song without a Scottish accent. Uh, that's my favorite part of this song. So... The Proclaimers started as a duo, one acoustic. I think it's just one acoustic. One guy plays tambourine, the other guy plays acoustic guitar. And then they, they were inspired by the punk movement. So I think I'm Gonna Be was on the second record. Now here's a little tidbit. In 1984, the Proclaimers recorded a demo album with the assistance of none other than Kevin Rowland of Dexy's Midnight Runners. There he is again. There he is again. So... He helped with the demo, but the real gold landed in 1988, and I'm Gonna Be was by far their biggest song ever. It went to number one in Australia and New Zealand and charted all over the world. Have you ever seen the Proclaimers play this live? No. I saw them play it. I don't know if it was Glastonbury Festival or some festival. People were losing their minds over this song. It was it gives me chills like thinking about it. How awesome that would be for those guys, right? <laughs> When I wake up, 
Well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. Two brothers, twin brothers, end up with one song <laughs> after their. I mean, I think they kept releasing albums. I think they just released an album. So it's not like they ended. There's a lyric in that song. When I haver. Yeah. Right? Is that, yeah. is that what you're saying? Yeah. When I haver. Yeah. If I haver, hey, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who's havering to you. But I won't I'm going to be the man who's havering to you. <laughs> 11. What, so is, what I, is haver? I want to say it's puking. I don't know. Can we look that up? Oh, no. It's better than that. Oh, what is it? It's Scottish for talk foolishly or babble. Oh, like when you're drunk. Yeah. I see. You know, I'm going to be oh. I'm gonna be the man who's hey, babbling to yeah, you. I love you. I want to take you to the bar. <laughs> I love you. Is this racist? Can we? Can yeah, we, we can. Okay, we, we, can, can. we can do Scottish okay. accents. I've played this song. I've seen the reaction that it gets. It really is an incredibly fun song to play it's a fun song to listen to and it's really you know i applaud the one hit wonder i am i'm a big fan of the one hit wonder i'm a fan of anybody who can get a hit like that all right one of the biggest hits of our youth was a song by a norwegian synth pop group called aha Mm -hmm. take on me it was released in the fall of 1984, topping the charts in the UK before topping the charts here in the US in 1985 on the strength of its innovative music video. Remember the video? Is it combined a pencil sketch animation with live action? Mags, the keyboardist in the band and one of the writers of the song said, I have no doubt that the video made the song a hit. I don't think it would have been given the time of day without the enormous impact of the video. The video has had more than 1.5 billion views on YouTube. I'm fascinated by non-English speakers or non-native English speakers who write in English and the idiosyncrasies that shape their writing. We're talking away. I don't want to say, I'll say it anyway. Today's another day to find you shying away. I'll be coming for your love, okay? <laughs> that sounds like a Norwegian it writing does. in English. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be coming for <laughs> your love, okay? <laughs> Sorry to all of our Norwegian listeners. The chorus is take on me, take on me, take me on, take on me. I'll be gone in a day or two. <laughs> take on me. Take me on. I'll be I mean, gone in a day or two. I don't know why I find that funny. I know. But I'll be, I'll be I'll gone, gone in a day or two. <laughs> it's a vocal showcase for the lead singer, Morton Harkett. Super high range. Not everyone can sing that song. Rolling Stone magazine has described the song as having one of the hardest to sing choruses in pop history. And it's fast, 169 beats per minute. Right. Now, it's true to say that AHA is a one-hit wonder in this country. But in Europe, and specifically in Norway, 
they've managed to have a long and successful career. In fact, Morton Harkett is apparently worth $60 million. Okay. That feels good. Clint, let's go through a quick-fire round of nominees. Got it. I'm going to hit up Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. Great. That Great song is like... It's so... I had no idea. I thought it was another band altogether. That's the other thing about a one-hit wonder. When you hear... You're like, I know. Of course I know that. I love that song. That's... Who is that? But you're yeah. right. It's like in our consciousness. Completely in our consciousness. Probably in a movie yes. that we saw growing up. You know, we heard it on the radio, but never heard of that guy before until right now. You remember The Way by Fastball? heard this in the car two three days ago and i totally had forgotten about it couldn't remember who wrote it had to ask siri i love that song we actually do that in dojo and we did a version of it we sent it to the band and they wrote us back they were like this is great guys that's awesome yeah. i'm gonna say ice ice baby vanilla ice oh yeah all right stop collaborate and listen i sit back with my brand new invention something grabs a hold of me tightly flow like a harpoon daily and nightly will it ever stop yo i don't know off the lights and I'll glow to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal, light up a stage and wax a chump like a candle. Dance, that booms. I'm killing your brain. I mean, obviously, that guy did nothing else, but it was a huge song, huge song, and he's still famous, right? From it, a lot of these people, like Norman Greenbaum, you're like, who, who's that? Who, the knack, who's that? But you, but you say to a 20 year old, Vanilla Ice, right? They know they're like, Ice, Ice Baby, yes, and he's a joke, maybe. I mean, no offense, Ice, if you're listening, but uh, he did something. He entered the consciousness and remains there. That's a good one. How about Extremes More Than Words? Oh, my. Love that song. You know more about Extreme than I do. I mean, I just know they're like a rock band. But More Than Words was a real outlier for Oh, them. yeah, yeah. And so that's sometimes a problem, right? When you have a hit that doesn't match right. the rest of your catalog. Right. And that's an example. This is from one of the guys in the band. As the 90s went on, we really started to resent the song. We were tagged the more than words guys. We didn't like the perception the song created about the band. I remember being on tour with Aerosmith in Poland, and it was on that tour we decided we would not play the song. We just wouldn't do it. A couple of nights in the tour, Steven Tyler writes in big letters on our dressing room door, play the f***ing song. <laughs> That's awesome. He was like, look, this is your first time in Poland. 
When do you think you'll be back? They want to hear it, so play it. Right. Good for you, Steve Tyler. <laughs> Any more quick nominees? I'm going to say one because I absolutely love this song. It's a song by the New Radicals. came out in 1998, You Get What You Give. Hmm. I don't know what it is about this song, but I don't know it. it you do. I don't know what it is. I believe the band is one guy, and I don't know why he ended his fame or why he can clearly write songs. So I don't know. That's a good one. I love that song. Well, you mentioned the Proclaimers. Yeah. Scottish. Scottish. And now we know what Haver means. Yes. To babble and speak <laughs> foolishly. <laughs> Another Scottish band. This one, an alt rock band that had a big hit in 1995 called Roll to Me. Remember the band Delamitri? Oh, yeah. Look around your world, pretty baby. Is it everything you hoped it'd be? The wrong guy, the wrong situation. The right time to roll to me. This song reached number 10 on the U.S. charts. By far their biggest hit. And interestingly, the band considers it one of their less good songs. Huh. And it bothered them that a song that they considered sort of a novelty throwaway song was the song that they became known for, just like Extreme, right? So I feel like that happens quite a bit. So we talked about reasons you could have a one-hit wonder. One is it's just really hard to have a second yep. hit. Number two, you die, yep. like Shannon Hoon. Yep. Number three, maybe the hit you have actually doesn't totally represent the type of artist that you are. Yeah, and then number four, the band breaks up because they can't handle they the They can't handle the, level the pressure and the, and, yeah. and the level of fame. Okay, do you know the song, Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> yeah. Of course you do. But do you know anything about the Baja Men? Not a bit. I didn't either. They found massive success in the year 2000 with the release of their version of Who Let the Dogs Out? Which, by the way, I didn't even realize this was a cover. Wait, what? The Baja Men formed in 1977, and this hit was in the year 2000. Whoa. When they were signed 13 years later to Atlantic, their A&R man, Steve Greenberg, recommended they change their name from High Voltage to Baja Men. The band followed Greenberg to Polygram when he left Atlantic, and their 1997 release sold just 700 copies. <laughs> 700 copies. That's it. And not surprisingly, they were dropped by Polygram. But I mentioned their version was not the original version. In 1998, a guy named Anselm Douglas released a song called Doggy. The next year, the Baja Men recorded their version, 
produced by Steve Greenberg, their old A&R man, who stuck with him through the 700 copy failure. Wow. By the way, <laughs> Steve Greenberg is credited as discovering acts like Hanson, the Jonas Brothers, Josh Stone, among others. Wow. Who Let the Dogs Out was a big hit, but the band's previous seven albums failed to chart, and the band's follow-up album peaked at number 57, and then the next two failed to chart altogether. So, though they vlogged some miles as a band, they really were a one-hit wonder. But do you remember the music video? Oh, yeah. Because the music video was actually a massive video sensation. Even now, 20 years later, you can probably picture the video. It was directed by my friend Eric Heimel, who is the older brother of Pete Francis of Dispatch, who we've talked to on the Who Went Solo the Best episode. Blackbirds bullet holes. Scattered across. Let's call Eric. Oh my god, I can't wait for this. <laughs> Eric. Rich. You're on with me and Clint Beerman on the age-old question. How's it going? Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Clint. I'm a big fan of you guys' podcast, by the way. Thank you. This is great. This episode is what is the greatest one-hit wonder. One of the biggest one-hit wonders of all time is actually a song that you directed the music video for, Who Let the Dogs Out? Yep. That is true. (laughs) What was it like to direct this music video and what's it like to be associated with one of the great one-hit wonders of all time? Well, it was in 2000, and I received this song to like write a proposal for a music video on an audio cassette tape, which was so, you know, 1980s. So I had to dig out a boombox that had the cassette player and listen to the song. And I immediately identified it as a little bit of a catchy tune. So I was kind of psyched about it. But the leader of the band, this guy named Isaiah Taylor, he was like an older man, and they had put their nephews and I think their nephews and some younger guys as their front guys. So the three you see in the video were like kind of new additions to the band. Interesting. And the older guys were a little bummed up because they didn't get enough camera time, but I felt that it was good that for <laughs> the young approach, you know. The song was being paid for by Paramount Pictures for the Rugrats movie. So when thinking about the song and the energy of it and knowing that it had to be kind of intercut with an animated children's film, I wanted the video to be really bright and colorful and have a good snappy feel. So I went with that fisheye lens undercranked look. Yep, yep. And so that really nailed nailed it and brought it home. No idea that the song would ever be popular, not even close to what it turned into. But the weirdest experience of making that thing was once we released it, we just started hearing it like everywhere in cars and then in stadiums. And the sports marketing for that song was really special. It took off. And by the end of the summer, it was, you know, that was like the best World Series baseball year 2000 it was the subway series between the mets and the yankees do you remember that yes wow yeah and the mets adopted the song and changed it to who let the mets Hampton with a count of three and one for the first time since 1986 the mets are going to the world series huh and um, I was lucky enough to go to one of the games and they had all these little doggy puppets and stuff on sticks and wow. everything. And by that time, I mean, by the fall, it was just everywhere. I guess because Paramount owned Nickelodeon and I think they were just carpeting that music video with the movie and stuff 
on Nickelodeon for months too. So every child in the United States was kind of catching on to it. And it became a nursery school song too, right? It's like a baby shark phenomenon. It was like a baby shark phenomenon, yeah. like tiny and and the song's not bad. You know, it's like a really fun, danceable thing. So I don't know, it just took off. I haven't seen it happen with another song since. Well, you also directed another song that who would have expected this becoming a massive hit? And that was Brian Setzer's Jump, Jive, and Whale. Yeah, absolutely. And really, you know, people should go back and look at that video and, and hear that song because it really, that was kind of like the cherry on the top of this whole swing dance phenomenon that was that was sweeping the country. Yes. And everyone was doing hairdos and girls were dressing up in beautiful, fun 1940s dresses with chunky heels and hitting the dance floors and swinging around. That video was particularly good because the choreographer that I was lucky enough to work with Travis Payne ended up becoming like Michael Jackson's choreographer. Travis brought in some really good dancers, and then Brian and his people brought in just this wonderful core group of people that love to go to those events with hot rods and dressing up and all that kind of stuff. And so that video was kind of magical the way that turned out. I mean, it's hard to say that Brian Setzer was a one-hit wonder, but like, but on a pop, on a pop mainstream yeah. level, that really was like a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Yeah. You know, without exaggeration, I want to say of all the artists I've worked with, and it's been a bunch, Brian Setzer is like a true genius. You know, he's like the top rockabilly guitarist in the world. The guy is the genius. You know, he really experiments and explores. And I was so impressed with this idea of him fronting a 19-piece orchestra. When you approach working on Who Let the Dogs Out or Jump, Jive, and Whale or any of the music videos that you've done, and you've, as you say, you've done a ton, what's your process? It's a really good question. Well, you listen to the song a lot, and, um, and then you explore all ideas. You're like, should we do this, do that? And you kind of just have to go through them, and you have to list all the ideas, even the obvious ones, until you find something that you think will be unique and gripping and fun, and then eliminate all the obvious stuff until you find something that's a little special and fun a style is what i go for visually with music videos a look hmm. a fashion thing or well it's it's interesting because both of those videos i remember them so vividly they had such a clear right like look a distinct look that i remember still yeah yeah the look is a lot because it's a music video right it's not going to be a deep thinking thing so I go with colors a lot. I think about the colors, the colors of the location and the colors of what the guys are going to wear um, from the very beginning, you know, and it's kind of like, I forget, there's a famous comedian who says, you know, you don't want to grab your audience in the beginning. You want to reach out and strangle your audience in like the first few seconds. So <laughs> you want something that's resting and catches someone's attention in a weird, cool way. But a good music video is nothing without a great song. And both of those songs are really excellent. And I also think that the video in a lot of these one-hit wonders that we're analyzing is what is sending them to the top. So, like, they are great songs. We talked about Take On Me by AHA. And that video made that band. No Rain, the B-Girl, made that song 
And so I think that video is plays as much a part in getting something to the number one spot of the Billboard chart as the song itself. So essentially you have some number one hits. Yeah, it's I awesome. do. I don't know how that happens really, but you know, you just get passionately involved and it's kind of just lucky that you are connected with an amazing artist and a great song. And then all you have to do is just kind of not f- up, you know, but Shakespeare says there's many a slip betwixt the cup and the lip. So you have to kind of focus. Eric, thanks so much for joining the age old question. Thanks, Eric. My pleasure. Thank you guys. Talk to you soon. See you, buddy. Damn. Shooting star in the ambulance. Do you remember Jump Jive Well? Oh, yeah. The song itself was big, but the video yeah. where like the it's coming out of the trombone. Yeah, or... I'm, I'm really convinced that the video yes. in a lot of these, like I'm still looking at this list. I'm looking at it. I know the video for a lot of these songs. Well, let's right. do our picks. My pick for the greatest, and I'm not saying greatest song, one hit wonder. I'm saying this is a massive hit and only one. Right. And just this is it. I'm going to go Macarena by Los Del Rio because this was a massive, massive tune. Huge. So the duo formed in 1962. Right? And what year was Macarena? Mid-90s. So we're talking 30 years. 30 years before commercial success. Wow. And so let's just talk about this song for a second. The guy wrote it. They were in Venezuela. They were invited to a private party at this guy's house. And there... They saw this flamenco dancer do her thing. And one of the guys was so inspired by this, he just spit out that chorus. There's only two chords in the song, so he just sang the thing. Wow. And then they put it on the record. But what really made the thing a hit was a remix was done of it the Bayside Boys, who remixed the song and added the English lyrics. And that's the version we know. Everybody was doing the Macarena. Well, it's like what Eric was saying about Who Let the Dogs Out, where they had a huge sports marketing campaign. I feel like Macarena did too. Absolutely. As did na 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 hey 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 good that's a one hit wonder too yes. I don't even know the name of that band but that was all sports. <laughs> I don't know who came up with the dance though. Right. I wonder if that was the video. Oh. I don't know. Again, have to look into that. Like maybe the choreographer came right. up with like didn't even mean to and right. just and it became like the other day my wife spontaneously broke into the Macarena. Okay. And in like, 2021. In 2021. So that's what, 30 years after yeah, it came out. Right. And 60 years after <laughs> the band started, started. started. At the top of the charts for 14 weeks. That's a major part of the year. I hope those guys made some money. I hope so too. Macarena. Macarena. It's not my favorite song. Has to be in the consideration. It has to be in the consideration. Because A, you don't know the band name. No one has ever heard anything else those guys did. That's right. amazing. Who you got, Rich? So I'm going to go with a song by a guy whose real name was Anthony L. Ray. Otherwise known as Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> His one hit is Baby Got Back from 1992. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. Yeah, when a girl walks in with an itty-bitty waist and a round thing 
face, you get sprung. It was released in the spring of 92, produced by who? Rick Rubin. on. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. He produced Baby Got Back? He produced Baby Got Back. What a baller. So your girlfriend rolls a Honda, playing workout takes by Fonda. But Fonda ain't got a motor in the back of her Honda. My Anaconda don't want none unless you got buns, hun. You can do side bends or sit-ups, but please don't lose that butt. It hit number one, and it spent five weeks at the top of the charts. I have to play you this clip from Dana Carvey's new podcast. <laughs> It's a hilarious podcast called Fantastic with Dana Carvey. In this episode, he credits Sir Mix-a-Lot with getting him into rap. I like big butts and I cannot lie. That's a little bit like Laurie saying, got to admit it, Dane. <laughs> so he likes him. He wants to lie, but he just can't. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so good. He wanted to keep it to himself, but I like big butts and I cannot lie. That's brilliant. The song, for all its catchiness, is actually a profound cultural statement of broadening social definitions of beauty. He says, I ain't talking about Playboy because silicone parts are made for toys. I ain't talking about Playboy because silicone parts are made for toys. And Cosmo says you're fat. Well, I ain't down with that. I ain't down with that. (laughs) Love that. So Cosmo says you're fat. Well, I ain't down with that. I basically know all the words of this song 30 years after it came out. And I can't name a single other song from Sir Mix-a-Lot. Can you? Not even a little bit. That is a remarkable one-hit wonder. Yep. It's played at every event, right? Any DJ plays this song. It harkens back to early 90s rap. It's funny. funny. That's the thing. And, you know, it spoke to broadening the cultural definition of beauty. Yeah. Wow. All from a... Almost like a skit. Right. Lonely Island kind it's of like song. It's like a Lonely Island. Yeah. Like, I love big butts and but I, I cannot, cannot lie. lie. I'd like to lie. I- <laughs> But, but I, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We named a bunch of one-hit wonders. And I think we touched on the big ones. I think we did it. I think I we think did, we it, did too. it again. I think we did it, too. Thank you for listening. We hope you had fun. Certainly as much fun as we did. And we hope you'll join us next time when we answer another age-old question. Follow us on Instagram at The Age Old Question. Facebook, The Age Old Question. We hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own. Let us know in the comments. But let's be kind, people. Yeah. No hating. No hating. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with the 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 